Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Talks GA Old School and I'm delighted to welcome Leo Legend, Diane O'Hora here this afternoon. I just want to say thank you to the Crown Plaza out here in Dublin Airport for giving us the use of their facilities. Diane, proud Leo woman, we'll talk about Sunday's game. We're in the Division 1 final against Dublin. You were at the game against Cork. Fantastic performance from Leo. Are you confident ahead of Sunday's game? Yeah, Denise, I am. Um, no more than yourself, you know, just before we, we we kicked off here, we were talking about the pace of the game, um, the balance in Mayo, um, how good Cork were on the day, but how, how Mayo went full out attack on them. Absolutely, really, really confident. Um, you know, it's not going to be an easy feat by any means. Mayo have leaked a few goals and, you know, they're not going to be comfortable with that. Uh, and I think that's something that they'll make sure they tighten up on the next day. Um, ultimately, looking at how Dublin overcame Galway, it, it just seemed to have been a last uh, a last kick of the ball in the final minutes. So, it really is it really is, I suppose, a big task for Mayo to beat the best team in the country that Dublin are when you know they, they won the All Ireland convincingly last last September. So it's uh, it's going to be a big task. But I, I genuinely believe what what Peter Lee has done with the Mayo ladies um, is is fantastic, and I'll be well, I'll be I'd say first in the door now on Sunday myself. Yeah, I was actually going to talk to you about Peter. He seems to have been playing a different brand of football, a nice brand of football. Um, obviously, they're playing without Cora, but that has been stopping them getting scores, getting scores all over the forward line as well. Yeah, and I, you know, we talked about this last week after the after the Cork semi-final, that Mayo, I suppose it's words that Peter has used in interviews he's done himself. He's used words like empowerment. You know, I can't cross the line with them. I can only help them and, you know, give, oh, yeah make an environment where they can improve and develop themselves as players. I just see that the players that are on the ball now, they might not be on it as much as they may have been in other years, but they're playing so much more like a team. They're playing a fast, direct game. And what's enjoyable to watch is that they're moving the ball quickly. They're, they're changing it up. It's not all defensive. They're moving it through the hand. They're also using kick passes. All the skills of the game um, Mayo are using right now. And it's, it's such a joy to watch. It's the best I've seen Mayo play in you know, I suppose the last 15 years, to be quite honest with you. Maybe Swift at the moment is in a healthy position. You look at the crowds they've got over the last couple of years, I think Legal coming in as a sponsor and the way they've marketed the game, but also the product that is being put out there. Yeah, and I think that's what's drawn players to it. You know, I mean, no more than yourself and other media involved, you're really, really, really trying to help and encourage a lot more people to get involved in local media, down the grassroots, at club. And there's a lot of coaching involved in LGFA are trying to help people in terms of uh, media because it's about getting people to the club games as well. Like that's where these players develop, that's where they kick off their football. And as you say, Lidl has been an unbelievable sponsor. Um, you know, I, I was just looking there the other day on, on Twitter, you know, their PR, their marketing teams, they're getting awards left, right and centre, and it's an absolute credit to them. Everything that they're doing in terms of their um they're working with certain community groups, um, grassroots, jerseys for clubs. You know, every single thing in their focus has been fantastic and they're really helping to push on as with TG Cahar, um, creating an environment where you get to go to games, see games, and the more they go, the more you enjoy. And that's been actually responded to in terms of just in recent times, the skill levels, and we're just talking about Mayo now in Dublin, you know, what a cracker of a final it's going to be this weekend. Unfortunately, because of so much good publicity about the ladies game, some sad news the other day with the news that Leachum won't be partaking in the championship this year. Leachum down the years, you would have known them yourself from playing games. 
and, and following the game always give great performances. They were in the quarterfinal last year. They were beaten by Sligo. They got to an All Ireland quarterfinal as well last year. And people like Anya Tai will be able to play in their championship this year. Yeah, and I believe that even to add to that, I saw it yesterday, and um, you know, one of the players um, also told me there on Monday that. It is um it's a sad situation because even whoever wins in their club championship they yeah, can't they can't take part outside of the county, um you know and it's good and all and it's all of the work that's been done with every other group involved at this level we actually can't forget about the bread and butter stuff the clubs the counties you can't let a, a county if it was a high profile county like um I know Kerry had issues most recently yeah. you bring down who you need to bring down you bring down people that have you know, a greater knowledge in terms of administration, how to help get this involved. And I understand in county boards, I mean, I had my own issue when when I was um, with the Mead Ladies team. And, you know, I'm very, very thankful to see that their entire county board, the leadership had changed. And it's no disrespect to people who were in there at the time. But, you know, people have limitations. Every single human in the world has a limitation. And you just have to be able to identify your own in terms of figuring out how to work on it because, you know, let's look at Leitrim. I believe that they, they don't have a stable county board at the moment. And as I said, they're volunteers. You're grateful and you're appreciative of every single element that, you know, that people are, are there to put in time and effort into it. But it's a, it's a very serious situation in this day and age with all of the positives around. I believe that this is a massive dark cloud. And I, I do believe that, you know, the Leitrim ladies, with the players that are there, the quality of players, the talent, what you said, all Ireland quarter final, mm -hmm. you know, you're only a kick of a ball away yeah. from the semi final, yeah. and at that stage, you're pushing I on, you have momentum. Um, I, I think maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea for, and maybe it's happened, maybe it's not, is, is that everyone sits down with intermediaries and figure out how we do this and put in a temporary board if needed be. But the girls shouldn't be punished, the players shouldn't be punished for administration issues and um, obstacles that aren't being overcome. Um, outside of their control as players. It's very unfair. The main people in this, the people that are affected the most are the players. Well, I'm on a county board and I know how tough it is. Well, I'm glad that I'm on a county board that our main aim is to try and promote the game and help the game. And as you said, club is first. And I always said, without a club, you want a county. Yeah, and um, I suppose that's the other thing. If I was on a county board with you, I'd actually leave you to it because um, you know you know what's right you're out there every day and night morning whatever it is following sports following ga following the kids under 10s you're at games to the whole way through you know supporting longford and the clubs inside the county i know that from you know i've seen how you operate and the commitment that you give you know that's what's important is that someone who sees the entire circle and um, we just had a we were just talking briefly there about you know club championship yeah. in dublin and with no disrespect um, to men's club championship, I saw it there the other day that it didn't look like there was 50 people yeah. within in the stand. Now, we spoke about a pitch in Granard opening um, last week where um, you know local lads played and Longford played yeah. a, a friendly. Um, there was over 2,000 people there. You know, is, is it a case that club in the country is able to, you know, build this community spirit yeah. and that you know in summer when it gets so big like Dublin winning all their All Irelands and league titles? That actually club gets forgotten about you know i do think it's a little bit alarming because you'd wonder we don't want that to happen in ladies football that's the way i see it yeah. and seeing what's happened in Leitrim is just the most upsetting part of it all i think it's a huge issue and um, you know everyone would like to help 
but you know, it's not your business in, in many ways, and it's not my business to comment, we'd say. Like, but well, the should girls shouldn't suffer. Maybe some outsider to come in kind of a, as a mediator or something? Well, I'd imagine that's what the, the WGPA mm. and um, LGFA have, you know, involved. Yeah. Like, if I was president of Connacht Council, and now this would be a massive headache for me, and I'd be doing everything that I could to try and make sure that we resolve yeah. this, because, again, players shouldn't suffer. Yeah. They absolutely shouldn't. Now, ultimately, when you know I made my decision to um, resign from the Meath ladies, I had no choice. I hadn't support. We weren't allowed to have minor players up playing with us. No one, no one seemed to help us with trying to create an environment for people and trying to develop players. And um, you know, there were there were many people who supported me very well through that, and I'd still be very good friends with them to this day. But something needed to happen, or the players were going to continue suffering. Now, I know we played Division Two and we held, you know, in Division Two and. It's great for me now that after, you know, well, they went down, I think, last year or the year before, and yeah. um, they went down to Division 3, they're in a final this week. But that rebuilding, that phase of rebuilding now, you know, and now they're in a position where they're building on the, the underage, and it's all of those kind of structures, you know, let's say Leitrim, they're kind of losing out on that. Yeah. They've lost a year again now. That's another year where they've lost in rebuilding, and it's, you really hope that it, it that someone comes to help and, you know, tries to figure out a solution in all of it. Um, and I think that from a from their point of view, that they are going to need more volunteers, people to just step up and say, let's figure out what the problem is. There's, there's bound to be a central issue. There's bound to be a central problem. There's one obstacle in terms of what's holding it back. You know, how did it get to this point? Is there any particular reason why it's been held back? And from once they find that, well, then they have to root out the problem and uh, push on and uh, start moving forward. Diane, you've been there, done that with your county. First of all, captaining the old one all Ireland final. What was that? Um, yeah, it's like, I, I suppose now and with the week that's in it with the National League Division 1 final on and two th this uh, Sunday, I think it just makes you, you become very anxious about the match. You nearly think you're playing yourself, to be quite honest with you. You're just completely deluded. Like, <laughs> But it, you just you kind of think back over you know, when Mayo were successful and, you know, how we did and how we did it and the fact that we had Finbar there, like, leading us at the helm, you know, as a captain, there's really very little to do because we were so well organised and we were so well managed and highly trained, you know, as you know yourself, and we went into that match with a hell of a lot of confidence, so I kind of expected to win, but afterwards, you just wouldn't believe what it was like coming back to Mayo. I mean, you know, as we know, like, unfortunately for the men, yeah. they've been starved of all Ireland for a long time. But I'll tell you, even being in Crow Park last year with the 46,000 there for the ladies' final, yeah. um, Mayo travel and oh, Mayo support. We came the whole way through at Lone. We brought, I was in the army at the time, we brought the cup into Custom Barracks. We went from there, you know, we walked it across the Shannon. We did everything historically that we could possibly do. And, you know, John Mullen had everything arranged and Jonathan at the time as well. Um, but we'd lost Cora, obviously, um, to a broken collarbone. Um, the week before it, or two weeks before it, in a collision of training. And I went back up to um, Cavan, I was on duty in the barracks that day, and you know, Finbar rang me. We must have had a three-hour phone call while I was working. <laughs> I'm not in the iron anymore. Um, we must have, it was a Sunday, it was a quiet day, but we must have had a three-hour phone call. And I remember one thing that happened during that call was when I put down the phone, is I had absolutely no doubt that we were going to win uh, the final two weeks later. I had no doubt. I was never so convinced. And I had obviously gone through every debate with him, oh, we don't have core, we don't have this, we don't have that. Mm. No, and his whole thing was like, you know, 
because no team is is just one player yeah. you know and he said he he absolutely assured me that we had all bases covered that we were going to be fine that we were going to attack how we were going to do it and in the end i was felt incredibly relieved so when we won um i wasn't really surprised because i expected it i was just relieved and obviously overjoyed my parents were there half and nail was there it was a, it was an unbelievable crowd that traveled and everyone could come on the pitch yeah. at the time so it was just it was the most memorable i'd say day of my life in terms of um, an event to have succeeded in and never mind coming home to mail bonfires everywhere like just as you could actually have celebrated it for a year solid but you know we wanted to go back and win another one so that had to be cut short fairly quickly you scored a goal you know actually a goal that won in ireland as well so you know from captain then from scoring the goal how was that feel um relief because i was playing very poorly <laughs> and i was being marked very yes. well it was um it was one of those days where the conditions were absolutely terrible it was such a low scoring i think it was four points to five points to four at half time you know and it was against dublin and there's some massive names with dublin at the time and actually in 2003 mick bowen who's their current manager yeah. was also the manager that day we, we were very organized as well and we knew what we had to do um they, there was a long ball in, and I, I don't know if um, Cora was taking a free from range. She's a really long strike of the ball. And, uh, you know, I'd say she was going for a point, to be quite honest with you, because that would have leveled the match. Um, we're two points down, and I just I just remember that the ball came in, and I think the Dublin keeper broke it down. And at that, that point, I'd the ball had broken down, brought me outside the box, and I turned to come back in and then struck it and just got the ball. But I think when you're a corner forward, you, it's not that that's what your plan is. You know, you just think, Barry, your job as a forward yeah. is to score goals. You know, goals win games, yeah. and everyone knows that. Um, and you have to give it the right level of power to make sure that you can get that ball quicker there than the keeper can get their hand to save it. You know, there wasn't the space to place it. There was, it was just take a pot of it. You know, you're under pressure here. We need a goal. And that was it. It was over about 30 seconds later. So it was, it was a great... Uh, a great stroke of luck. I definitely didn't deserve player of the match in that game. Um, you know, our full-back in Lohan was definitely deserved it, but um, I didn't give her the award, actually, now that I think of it. Um, you know, just really enjoyable. Like, there are days that you'll never forget, and um, you're just lucky to be a part of. And anyone from Mayo knows, you know, how privileged they are to wear the jersey. And, you know, there's something about Mayo. I mean, God, you only have to go to any country worldwide or watch, whether it be, you know, a... Um, a golf open and oh, you'll yeah. see a Mayo jersey, you know, it's become renowned and uh, you'd be very proud of that. You also, you're very modest and you would also kind of go, it's a, it's a team game, winning from All-Star as well? Um, yeah, um, I suppose you, those individual awards are lovely, mm. like they're really nice to get. And you know what, even even just for your parents, mm. like even just, you know, for your family to to be proud of or have an event that you can take them to and they can get dressed up for it and all of that like um i remember i, I got one or two different awards with um, papers at the yeah. time of our success with mayo and it was just uh, the most proudest thing to actually come way up to dublin you know hop in the car with mum and dad and head off and just go up and sit down and have a nice meal or a nice lunch and yeah. get photos taken and then they meet other people who yeah. may have got that award those different awards and they've met different may and inter-county players yeah. and you know, it's meant the absolute world to them, and that that's what make, means the world to me as well. Um, you know, you're lucky to play, and you're lucky that you ha have great coaches and managers that bring you this success. Because, you know, there's there's players that would be 20 times better than I ever was, 
but they're just not lucky enough to play in the right club or the right county, you know, to have the opportunities that I have. And you walk away and you think how privileged, how privileged I was to be in Mayo at that time with the success that we had, you know, when Finber, John and Jonathan come in. Like, you know, other players that have come and gone in the last 15 years haven't had that level of success. And we played in All Ireland in 2007, we lost, you know, and then last year they lost. But the players who played last year will, they'll see in this this time, in this age, in this era of ladies football, how amazing it was, the build up to it. You know, however great it was for us, now it's a complete different kettle of fish with social media, yeah. what you guys do, the advertisement, little that we talked about, LGFA, and you know, that will give you such a taste and a hunger. You know, you want your family, you love going down the community and, and talking about it because it's just such an exciting time and to be part of it, you're so privileged as well. And I think they're, they're some of the things like that I'll be forever grateful for. I mean, you wouldn't be here talking to me if I probably wouldn't have been lucky enough to have a coaching job in Longford uh, with Bridget's Ladies Roscommon, with Down, yeah. you know, um, me, the same thing. and. You know, now I'm currently with Fingalian's ladies in Dublin. You know, unless you'd actually been fortunate and lucky enough to have been there and done it, um, you probably we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. So I do feel very, very lucky and humbled to have had um, the good fortune I've had. You always seem to mention Fimber. Fimber even seems to be such an important part of your life and what he brought you. As a manager, he's pain, torture, uh, hell, <laughs> all of I the above, that, friendship. I, I, as a manager, would you class him as the best you play Yeah, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, he had, you know, people talk about nutritionists, strength and conditioning, um, fitness coach, forwards coach, back coach, keeping coaches. I mean, you could be going on forever. Statisticians? Oh, yeah, those as well. Well, I'm telling you, he had every single bit of that in his head. And just even talking to Tom earlier and yourself, you know, talking about what Finbar offers he actually offers the full package and you know from a psychology point of view he adds that as well because he knows how to push your buttons in terms of getting more from you you know i'd love to have trained under peter Leahy because i see what he's doing now i'd say there's so many similarities with them so many um but in terms of like the success that i've been lucky to have with finbar he i, I actually don't know like how he managed to do it because he had all of us to deal with and then he had county boards and the whole lot so like he was the manager doing all of the training with Jonathan all of the coaching the whole the whole way through and Owen Sweeney as well had come in with him as well and the team that he built around him were very very strong and um, Yvonne Burns parents uh, Margaret and Pat they were also part of that as well in terms of liaison doing all the administration looking after us making sure that everything was sorted out from logistics point of view like he had such a great team which allowed him then to focus solely on us. And he was brilliant in terms of uh, his analysis of opposition. When you talk about stats there, well, it'd be simple as this, you lose three balls, you're off. Like, you know, there'd, there'd be very little Fair forgiveness. Simple. There'd be very little forgiveness. Um, but that makes you hungry. If you're having trouble as a forwards, oftentimes I'd have gone running for ball and I'd fumble it and drop it. You know, he'd bring it back to basics. He'd say, don't be thinking about what you're trying to do next. Just win the ball first and the rest will look after itself. And um, I thought, you know, Mayo wouldn't have had any success if it, if it wasn't for him coming in. That's what Mayo needed. You know, God only knows where they'd be. And, you know, that brings me back even the years before that. Um, my dad was listening to Midwest Radio and heard there was an advertisement for trials for the Mayo ladies team. 
and Anita Hannan, who's highly involved in LGFA, she had this advertisement out. And people like me living in Ballina, there was no club team, there wasn't even a school team, but Hugh Lynn, who you know managed across Nina and many other teams, um, was the primary school principal in Key National School. And he had me playing with the boys. And there was three or four girls at the time that played with the town league teams going back all those years ago. But there was no club, there was there was nothing. So only for that advertisement and you know, New League and Anita Hannon and Kathleen Cannon taking me in to play as part of Mayo because it was all South Mayo at the time, it was all Ballon Road, Kilmaine, you know, these Tormacadies, these were the areas like, you know, Carnacon, Casabar. Yeah. There was nothing down where, you know, with the likes of Aileen Gilroy lives now, you know, the Kalala side, um, Moy Davids. There was very little, there was no teams. So you're always going to be driving such a long distance training. And, you know, I suppose I'm taking you down memory lane here now back to the history books, but, you know, to see where it's come yeah. from there to where it is now and all of the clubs in Mayo, it's without Finbar and the success he brought, there was an absolute boom in new clubs forming. Uh, kids playing in schools, uh, ladies being coached in the primary schools now by the GA officers, yeah. where they it was just the boys that were actually getting yeah. the coaching. So everything has changed. And if it wasn't for you know the stamp and the mark that he left on Mayo with what he did for us and the county and um, and the management team of John and Jonathan obviously at the time, um, you just wouldn't know. You know I, I know everyone says everything happens for a reason, but you just wouldn't know yeah. where to be. And that's where the development. That's where like that key yeah. success is what's actually kind of set a standard and you have to build on it. If you don't build on it, um, you're not going to have development. And I, you know, I really don't know where, where counties are going to go without that. Is there words of wisdom that you have taken from Finbar that you've used in your own managerial career? Uh, yeah. Well, every coach that we have will probably take mm. something from them. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Like, I'd have to say... You can yap away like Frank Brown. Yeah, away. <laughs> Frank Brown is right. Yeah, we we can talk. All right. One of the things that one of the strengths I'd say of Frank Brown is he brings very very good strong people in around him. You know, where Frank would be very good at managing people. You know, a happy camp is is going to be a winning camp. He's very good at managing people. You know, making sure everyone's on board with them. He brings them around with them. Everyone's going in the same direction. He also brings in very credible strong uh, managers and uh, coaches in around him. And that's what he did like with DJ and with um, with Peter Levy mm-hmm. last year. He brought them in and they brought that on and got a lot of credibility. He's got a lot of success. He's had success with Longford Hurlers as well. It's knowing, you know, where you need the help. And I'd say from my point of view, um, I do the exact same, the same as Finbar. You know, there's certain limitations that every manager would have and our coach. And you actually have to know them. And I think that whereas Peter Levy uses the word empowerment a lot, I'll do the same when I coach. I'll put it back to the players. Am I missing something here? Tell me where I can help. Is there something that we need to do to help you reach your potential? We'll do it. You're a facilitator. That's your job. And sometimes if you can help teach someone something, you know, that you might have learned along the way, um, so be it. But I'd say, um, you know, 90% of what I do, I've probably learned from Finbar. Um, I, you know, I talk to him on a regular basis. Um, you know, he's he's an accountant, so I need to. <laughs> um, so, you know, by by speaking to someone like Finber, they help you think outside of the box. Um, I've brought him, when I worked with Longford, I brought him in to do a session with them. When I worked with the Down Ladies team, he did a session for the All-Ireland um, over in Clannagale Rings End. 
he's very strategic in how he plans and how he sets up and he always picks a team to play a team and it's courses for courses it's as simple as that and um, it doesn't overcomplicate he's very specific with the role he gives you as a player and I think that really helps um, so yeah to answer you um, yeah everything that I kind of base my coaching around is probably what I've learned from Fimber and the other 10% I learned from from other people as I develop myself as coach every day Diane, we talked about um, you as the manager. You had great success wherever you went as an intercounty manager. Longford won a Division 4 title and you transformed and a lot of the players would say that. But the ultimate was probably for you being part of the management team that won the Intermediate All Ireland as well. Yeah, um, it was, we were very fortunate as well because um, Miles Cahill had brought, um, had brought me in and you know, obviously I was coming in as a coach to, to take all the training. And unfortunately, Miles um, had to resign with other commitments. But uh, Mark Copeland and Ryan McShane, you know, went in as joint managers, and um, it was just it was very very good because I know like Mark Copeland had been away most of the summer. He was doing some coaching over in Spain actually because he, he works in the college in Newry, and the fact that he was away all summer it was great to have Ryan there then to kind of take the lead on everything that needed to be done. Um, but at the at the time when I went in. You know, you could see there was a lot of potential there in the girls. There's a lot of class, um, skillful, quality players. And what had happened over the first couple of weeks is that other girls who had decided to not play anymore had decided to come back in and give it one more year. Yeah. And when you have players giving it one more year, it's an alarm in one sense. Yes. You know you get everything out of them for that final year. But the other concern is, you know, what happens afterwards? You know, who's going to carry the can if yeah. we lose, you know, five, six, seven players? Um, but what has happened is they put in a very, very tough year, a very committed year. Um, anything you asked of them, they did. There was, a, there was a few personalities and we had a few challenges along the way. Not but like No, not like me. <laughs> but I'll tell, you what was, I'll tell you what was fantastic was that everything that I said would happen, happened. And, you know, if I want to quote Fimber again, um, you know, I knew exactly what would happen, the timings of what would happen in the, the 99, the 2000 dollars Ireland final. The same thing that morning of the 2003. He had literally predicted what would happen, when it would happen during the game. And I knew, having seen Fermanagh a couple of times earlier that season, um, again, I knew what was going to happen. Um, I knew what time. So when, um, you know, when I was comfortable with the team that was selected, um, I was able to actually go into the team, tell them, how we're going to win it, this is actually how we're going to do it, how we're going to destroy the opposition, how we're going to open them up for games, and uh, sorry, for goals, mm. and how certain players will play and at what time we're going to spring someone off the bench and the fact that they'll achieve X amount, one, two, one, or whatever the case might be, and that they'll get player of the match. And I've learned that by uh, looking at the opposition, looking at our strengths, and actually knowing and having the trust in the players, they will do exactly what they're asked, when they're asked, and during what times. So my my role then was to communicate with the water um, uh, marriages that we had on the day, and to make sure that every time they brought in the messages uh, to the players at certain times to let them know what I wanted to be done at that particular time. So you know what, if anything ever went according to plan, that game did. Um, and everything I said about who we'd bring off the bench, at what time, that they'd score X amount, get player of the match, it all came off just like a dream. I couldn't have predicted any better. So um, I was very privileged as well to have great captains uh, like Kyla and Neve McGowan were, were both um, joint captain. 
very 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 lucky because you know anything you wanted got done you know you want you, players this is a fact of life they need to do a lot of stuff outside mm. of training you're only privileged to have maybe you know five and a half hours with them a week or whatever mm. the case might be if you're lucky maybe six and when you have such a short time how how can you make sure that they're recovering well you know so the, re the recovery is really the onus on the player mm. right now and it's not to say that you run them like dogs or anything like that not at all it's to do with you know what they need to have from a nutritional standpoint yes. straight away after training you've got a half an hour like window where you need to have an intake of the right amount of foods and fluids and um, the same as you need to do an awful lot of work now to prevent injuries and um, you know there's nothing that actually would upset me more again i said i was privileged and lucky and i didn't thank god have you know any bad mm -hmm. injuries you know i had a torn achilles but it was looked after over mm -hmm. a couple of months and um, but what would really sadden me is that you know that the players aren't prepared properly so and um, even now with club you know we do a warm-up that was designed with them um, with dave here and um when i was down in longford and he also worked with lgfa yeah. we went to the same conference that was on in the Santry sports clinic like doing these things with the cross matrix of what you need to do to prevent injuries then there's another responsibility that if they occur or if they're recurring from a, a previous season and you come into a team that they've got recurring injuries uh, and they're not dealing with them, they haven't dealt with them, you know, so it's changed a lot. If you want to play, you know, you really have to be so committed because yeah. you need to look after those injuries, you know, because you don't know who the coach is going to be or the manager coming in next year, you know, into your club or your county. And the last thing you need is a recurring injury. So, you know, then you look beyond that again and you look at, players coming back from the high demands that they've had and we talked about this earlier we've had girls coming into the club that are coming back from colleges you know with injuries that they've had from the college football and you know they might have had a couple of weeks break trying to you know rehab get ready for club again but the club have been training at a certain level for six or seven weeks and you know the colleges I think there's a difference between the club player and the county player within in the college, college. you know because the county player is going to be fit in the college so they're going to be able to cope with a hell of a lot of work and you know traffic on their legs and so on and um, but the club player that goes in to play um college or o'connor cup or any of these things you know they they won't have been representing on county you know by a lot of a lot of players won't be so when they come back to their club their club have moved on and they may not have been getting all those games yeah. in the the college that they had wanted they might be part of the panel and because they're Obviously, we're not going to, you know, look for place too many demands on the player. But when that player goes away, they're they're training with their they're training with their college team, but they're not getting the games. So when they come back to your club, they're your first player. You go straight to them. You want them on the pitch. They've lost hours and hours and hours of football, and their fitness has really suffered. And if they come back in carrying an injury, it takes them a long time to overcome that injury, get it rehabbed, and then they're starting from scratch again in terms of fitness. So. There's huge demands on players and obviously from our point in Fingalians, any players that were playing with their college, we leave them away. The same as our minor players that are playing on the county minor team. We conceded a game um, you know, to a senior club, Fox Rock actually, who are county champions, um, a league game. Because I'm, myself, Packy and Jerry, we're not going to ask those minors who've been training six days a week and having to play a club minor game to come and play you know, for their senior team, which they're wet. I mean, they're top-class mm. players they'll be on the team any day of the week they're fantastic and they're playing obviously with Dublin and they've won a Leinster title 
how can you as a, as a coach with thinking about player welfare ask them you know will you come and play and make up the numbers to be our 15 people it's i'm not going to do it do you find that club football now has changed from when because you had been involved in club and then obviously you went into inter-county management but have you found club football has completely different with demands on the players now yeah um oh god it's gone so professional like it really has and you know as tom waller would said to me and me in me every day is a school day it, it really is and the game is changing the players are changing how you manage you know it changes as well it changes from player to player and you know gone are the days when tables have been thrown up against walls and i've had managers in when i was with mayo banging tables and breaking chairs and going absolutely crazy at half time about this that the other there's no time for that i mean that upsets people that's negative i'm coaching a senior club in dublin but yet i'm speaking to you about rehab and yeah. prevention of injuries i remember um you know playing club years ago um coming off a bus putting on my boots in the back of the car and heading out onto a pitch no such yeah. thing as a warm-up i don't even remember you know i do sorry i do remember times when sure what's a warm-up you go out kicking yeah. the ball cold um but it has changed and i think it's because of the demands on the player yeah. i think it's a, there's a lot asked of them like, depending on what age you are and you know again there's a lot of um positive surrounding you know cross-pollination of sports the benefits for yeah. the player doing that but it has to be managed you are well able to handle yourself you've been there and uh, as a manager would you ever go the opposite side and go into the men's game it's not something that i'd ever rule out mm. i'm certainly enjoying what i'm doing at the moment and and um, i feel i've so much to mm. offer because i've been as i said fortunate mm. enough to have won all ireland's and to have trained under one of the best coaches and managers in business and um, but in terms of um crossing over I think that yeah why not you know I would never turn around and say you know I'd rule something out or I'd rule something in I think that in terms of the commitment and the time that I'm available obviously with my own job and um, that you just have to make sure it's the right fit for you and um, but I do you know I, I look at it now in, in this day and age there's going to be a lot more female um, coaches uh, managing men's team I mean it's inevitable it's yeah. going to happen it's 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 definitely going to be one of those things that will become more uh, you'd see a lot more of it moving forward. You've had a great playing career and you had a good uh, managerial career. Is there something that one regret that you look back and would say, God, I wish I could change it, I wish things... Yeah, happened. there is. And it was an All-Ireland quarter-final um, that I was managing Longford from. Um, we played an All-Ireland quarter-final against really? Tipperary. And, you know, they went on to be beaten by Cavan, I believe, that we had, already beaten, we had already beaten. Um, I'll tell you what I regret is my own behaviour. Like I made, um, I made two bad decisions. Um, I put on a player. I put on the wrong players, to be quite honest with you. Um, I we we had a point scored against us, and we had a point. Sorry, we had a, we had a point given against us, which was not Same a point. Wise. And this went the whole way through um, an emergency general meeting with LGFA. And the thing is. Uh, I knew going into it and Dolores Kiernan and the support that I got from Lanford was second to none like they backed me up the whole way because I was backing the team up and I did that and I went through all of that because I believed in the team and they deserved someone to yeah. fight for them because it was wrong and the referee I think his name I can't remember his name actually maybe what well, I can but I'm not going to say his name <laughs> but he's retired now and I've never seen anything like it in my entire life and these you know LGFA rules they're very loose you know an in of and but you know it's funny it probably would never hold up in court but 
um, there's always going to be a loophole. And when you go up against them, probably the reality yeah. is you're not going to win. But I, th I think that Longford deserved for people to fight with them. But back to my biggest regret was um, my behaviour on the day. Um, we had a player that had scored a point that day that was flagged wide and we all saw it. God, it couldn't have been more yeah. over the black spot than you saw. Um, and it's very unsettling. And there was um, a referee uh, team there from Sligo that also couldn't believe what they were after seeing in front of their whole eyes. Like, it was just, God, if things couldn't go against you any more than that, yeah. I, I don't know what is. And I know that you were reporting live as well at the game and we even have a, we had a clip of it, yeah. of the astonishment, um, you know, of, of what had happened. But my regret is how I behaved. I mean, I actually, I was unnerved after it. Um, I was unsettled. I, I really got thrown off in terms of my responsibility as manager of the team. And I let Longford down that day. Um, there's no question about it. 100%, there's like, I, I, I ended up with a two month ban, I think, actually after it as well. I was away for work, so I couldn't go to the meeting. Um, but I ended up with a two month ban. And I, I still talk to, to the people who banned me at, at this day, because do you know what? Um, I was you abusive. Fighting, but you, it's very hard, Diane, and we've all been there, been on a sideline or been as a supporter. And I've never seen you being OTT with, with anyone. And I've often been on sidelines beside you. But in the heat of the moment, and when things are going against you, it's quite hard to yeah. keep calm. And, you know, to be sent to a sideline is something I'd be ashamed of for the rest of my days. And I'd have to say, um, one of the best referees that I've met was Niall McCormick. And he's very fair. That's mm -hmm. why I think he's good. Like, you know, he never gave us anything in terms of what we didn't deserve. Yeah, he's very fair. And he gave, you know, the, what I would say is that he gave me a lesson in life after we... Um, when we played a game in Leinster and you know he said you seem to be doing you know a great job the girls are playing nice football but you're gonna have to calm down and like you know he sat down with me for 10 minutes and we just had to talk about it as a as a player um to coach you have to understand that there's an area where you can't behave like mm -hmm. a player anymore so I even find when I start out with the team I can't help it but almost kick every ball with them try and instruct every move they make and I was like you know they will get it. Keep rehearsing it. Keep practicing it on the training field. Then you're not going to have to be so vocal, and I'm not going to have to ask you to calm down on the sideline. So I was like, fair enough. So you know, and taking that on board, I was all fine and well for a year and a half until, uh, you know, a certain Events issue happened against Tipperary. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll never forget it. It is a big regret, and um, it's you know, it was a lesson learned for me that there's going to be things out of your control on the day. But what was in my control was not to be sent to the sideline or not to be sent outside the pitch. And what was also in my control was to make sure that when Steve made, you know, certain changes that I, for the sake of the team, should have made better decisions yeah. on who to put on. I didn't I didn't make the right changes. And, uh, you know, we have players like that that can score goals. And, you know, Kerry Harmon should have been put on for a start. She scores goals. She's scoring goals for Westminster, I believe, now to beat the band and points. I made the wrong decision and um, I let the team down and I probably I'll never forget it like I'll never forgive myself for it either and you know I just um, I was just very disappointed because we would have gone on to probably win the semi-final yeah. and I think we would have beaten Cavan as well in the other right. final right we've had the serious chat so now for kind of the fun part first of all we start five players you have to pick five well actually five ladies and five men five players one at a time 
give top players for you. Um, Jarrell, okay, you're allowed to pick me up players. Well, obviously David Clark in goals. Um, you know he's a he's a he's a fellow Belna person. Um, very very good, like very solid. Um, and so I'd say Chris Barrett. Uh, from a defending point of view, there's players that you're looking at like on the Dublin team, like that just have the most unbelievable engines. You're looking at Monaghan forwards. Um, you're looking at the full forward there with the Galway men's team as well. Like there's there's too many to choose. You couldn't pick five. Um, I mean, like obviously Andy Moorman, probably I'd have to pick him as just an absolute number one player and forget about everyone else. Like um, Commitment, honesty, endeavour, skill. He is, actually he is everything but a GA player should be. He's just, he's such a credit to Mayo yeah. and himself and his family and his club and everything. Yeah. He really is like, you know, it's like he couldn't put a foot wrong. Yeah. But his attitude, you know, when people are like saying you're dead and buried and you know, the county, God, to be as resilient as Mayo are and as he is and to put all the work in, you know, I think it's just, he's just a fantastic, he's an absolute inspiration, I think, to any young boys or girls, you know, wanting to play football. Um, like, I, I always liked Dar uh, Michael Darren McCauley in Dublin because I just think that he's a really, really good link player. And of course, like, as bold and all as Connolly is, yeah. he's, uh, God, he's an amazing player, yeah. you know, and... Um, I'm in work around Dublin and um, Louise Kinslow over in Tala there, she, she works in radiology, a massive dub supporter and actually all I need to get myself is a Mayo poster so that I can cover her Dublin one that's looking <laughs> on the wall inside in there. Um, but there's such great, there's such great love of the GA, you know, for all of these counties yeah. and it's great, you know, to be out and about in a, in a sales role where you get to actually talk to people yeah. about it and people are interested in it. And different attitudes on the GA. Absolutely. And then you get to talk about certain players and how certain players did and sure you know every day is a school day like as i said earlier you learn football is about a game of opinions and someone has one opinion and you might have another and it's to try and find a, like a, a middle ground inside all of it which is the right opinion you know what really was this and um, in terms of ladies in terms of ladies footballers god you could i could nearly pick the top five on the mayo team you know yeah. i mean looking at the two grace and eve kelly sarah yeah. rowe god sinead Cafferkey, fiona McHale. Like obviously Cora for all of the yeah. years that she's um, played with Mayo, um, Yvonne Byrne like even from what she offered out yeah. to goals like there's so many brilliant brilliant players and then you're looking at Noel Noel Healy you know in Dublin uh, there's a 16 year old from my sports Saoirse Ludden I think is her name she she was marking um, Noel Healy for their national league game that they played in Casabar this year and I spoke bar for the last 10 minutes Saoirse was incredible she plays corner forward you know for she plays um corner forward when she plays club and center forward um i believe but yet she was able to play as a cornerback yeah. on well healy for a full game so it's it's um yeah it's a credit like it's even to pick lady footballers got it's hard now to be put on the spot to try and pick mm. five you know i've named them all in the mayo team which is yeah. completely biased but then again looking at dublin there are so many great players in the Dublin side as well. And then you're looking at the likes of Amy Matlin. I mean, we were in Longford. Sharon Tracy, yeah. probably one of the best players the country ever yeah. saw. But because she played with Longford, you know, we didn't see enough of her. God knows what opportunity she would have had and how many All-Stars she would have had if, you know, Longford managed to get themselves up to senior level, which which would make me think that yeah. it would be nice to see an intermediate All-Star award, you know, come into LGFA. Yeah. It would be brilliant. And then... You know whatever the case might be mix intermediate in with junior because they're very very close in terms of grade and there's very few junior teams left so 
um, that would be something as well. Um, and then you're you're picking all other counties. Waterford have some cracking players. Cavan again. I mean, Brona Sheridan's back playing with Cavan after a massive injury. She's flying it. Ashing Doonan. I mean, you could really like there's and I probably have to say I know the ladies' football a lot more than I know the men's football. Whereas I do, I watch Mayo as often as I can and I get to games as much as I can. Um, and which was even better, it was great to have double header, headers this year because yeah. that gave me a great opportunity to get to those games. Right, we always end our interviews with a five that's in the news, five sports. So, in a Gaelic, bit of everything else. We start off now, bear in mind that you've got two Liverpool fans, like myself and Tom. Liverpool in the Champions League final. You're saying we didn't get to watch the match, but. Uh, yeah, we watch, trained last night. Will, will you watch the Champions League final? and? Do you hope um, So looking at social media um, this morning, I would love to see Liverpool. And you know, I I was um, I was just coaching out in Dunboyne, just generally kind of floating amidst all the teams there two years ago. And yeah, um, you know, and our, our prayers are still with them. And yeah. please God, he's recovering well. Um, such a horrific thing to happen. And I see all over every single day of the week, the amount of Irish people that support Liverpool, that are staunch Did Liverpool you supporters. That, you see um, Jordan Henderson, the Liverpool captain, wrote a lovely letter the other day to Dunboyne, the Dunboyne jersey obviously in the Anfield uh, dressing room last week, but also after the game they got one of the flags and there was a picture with um, the Liverpool players with the thing about Sean Cox and it's just something that as, as Jordan Henderson said, it's only a game and, and it is true, it is only a game yeah. you think about um, Sean Cox. Yeah, and you know what's really nice is that it, it seems to have helped Liverpool realise what a privileged yeah. position they're also in and how these people go to huge expense, how much love and grow that they have for the for the soccer team, what they do to be there at matches and you know how unfortunate that event um, that had happened was. It's it's nice to see and I know it's it's a very sad event, but mm. it's nice to see that Liverpool appreciate, yeah. you know, what Sean did, what his entire family and community are going through, being there to support them, yeah. and um, you know, no doubt the Irish will be behind Liverpool more than ever, mm. um, come come the final against um, Real Madrid. So I think that it's um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a mountain to climb, yeah. and you know, like I saw so many people, uh, you know, talk about it or tweet about it this morning is that. You seem to make life difficult for oh, yourselves, yeah. you Liverpool supporters. Um, I grew up in a house where my brothers were all about Manchester United, so maybe this is the end of the interview. Is it Denise or? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, so, but um, you know, I have to say, most people I meet in GAA terms seem to be big Liverpool supporters. I don't know how or why, but they really, really are. We'll move on. We do a little bit of Gaelic. Um, Sunday. I imagine the championships kicking off already on Sunday, or Tuesday, throwing in on Sunday. Um, New York and Leitrim. Leitrim happened to really good league campaign, but the them the Mulligan back a huge boost for them. New York though quietly confident. I know a few of the lads involved. Andy Williams from Longford and Jerry Fox are there as well. There's also Jamie Clark, the Armagh forward. So a lot of people are looking at this game. New York could. Yeah, like New York, they. Could have picked teams in the last couple of years, and they all know that as much as anyone else. And um, you see, the first game is always a bit of a concern for yeah. everyone. You just never know how the first yeah. game. Everyone knows it in club and county, 
not so sure about our first game. And the first championship game, you know, to be away to New York, it's such a tricky environment. The expectation is the home, you know, whatever team traveling, they're, they're going to win. That's an expectation. Sligo, Mayo note in the last couple of years, New York don't feel like that. You know, New York aren't just playing to just put up a fixture and have great crack then afterwards and have lots of whatever hoolies after the whole event. It's not just a trip for them. They've been training for months for this and they're, they're not going to fulfill a fixture. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise. And I've said this for the last couple of years, if New York come away with they're the win. They're going to turn over some teams. They will. Yeah, without a doubt. Sunday uh, and Monday, huge days for the ladies. On Sunday, it's the Division 2 final before the Division 1 final. You've got Cavan and Tipperary. Mm-hmm. A very tight game. Tipperary beat Cavan already in the league, but anything can happen. Yeah, finals. anything can happen. And you know, a lot of times you'd say the team that loses uh, learns the most. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in terms of in that, there's a few players that Cavan don't have this year, which I was surprised if I actually saw them at the game mm-hmm. the last day. Um, some quality players. But in saying that, if you look how Cavan have been doing a minor and underage, they've been yeah. doing brilliant. Sixteens, yeah. minors, yeah. all the way through to semi-finals. Schools um, as well, right? And schools, yeah, absolutely. So the talent is there in the county are making them. They're doing a great job of development, it seems. But I'm not sure. Like Tipperary, you know, have we seen everything that they have? Are there any surprises left for them? I'm not sure. Whereas Cavan would be the surprise package yeah. to come into the game on Sunday if they do something different, yeah. the line out a little bit differently, and. Um, if they exposed where Tipperary might have one or two, you know, maybe less strong yeah. areas on the pitch, and um, there could be goals scored. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting final. If I were to tip someone to win, I'd probably uh, I'd probably pick Cavan to win. Mm. You know, not to go with the underdog whatsoever, yeah. but I, I I like to believe sometimes the team, you know, that lose in the yeah. league tend to learn more when it comes to to the final. Your former county me to go on Wexford. It's um, an all Leinster um, pairing in the Division 3 final. Did you see that game go? Mead did very well against Tipperary in the semi final and they could have won it if they made a few changes, in my opinion. And again, that's G8, so mm-hmm. everyone has an opinion. They actually could have beaten Tipperary, you know, they left it behind them. They're coming down from, you know, see, they've lots of senior mm-hmm. clubs in the county, um, there's great competition, their minors have been doing very well for the last number of years in, a, in an A final this year, which was great to see. Um, and um, looking at Wexford and I suppose looking at the interviews that they did yesterday, uh, you know, on the, the pre-finals kind of a launch thing, they seem to be a very happy camp and they seem to be very confident um, in how they're operating this year. Now, I thought Wexford were very good last year and they did very well, like in the Drew with Tipperary, you know, went to a couple of replays, all different things like that. They were as good yeah. as who are the All-Ireland champions um, and now gone senior. So, uh, from from Wexford's point of view, um, I certainly see Mead winning yeah. in terms of the quality that's now playing in Mead. Like all of the best players are back in yeah. playing again. They believe in the county, um, and they're driving forward. And they have a brilliant coach in there. Actually, he's supposed to be absolutely fantastic and doing a great job with players. And you know the fact that there's Dunboyne players there who've won All Ireland club medals. You know all these players weren't playing county, and now they are, and I think it's fantastic. I do think that Mead will have more players available to beat Wexford. However, I haven't seen Wexford playing. I know how good they were last yeah. year. And if they're even better than what they were last year, and if things are going even better in the camp, um, you know, you, you, if if they don't leak goals, um, you know, because Vicky Wall's incredibly hard yeah. to stop 
incredibly hard. And um, she's got talent, you know, bursting out of yeah. her. You have Sarah, her sister's back in as well again. Because there's um, it's going to be a tough competition. Um, I'd still tip me because I think they'll score more goals. Mm. Um, and I think that they have probably a stronger bench than West Wexford from what I've seen last year. Wicklow allowed the Division Four final. Longford beat Wicklow last year in in the Division Four final. Now they're relegated to um, junior. A decent enough team, you know. I've seen both teams last year, and um, there's not going to be much between the two of them. No, there won't be. Um, you know, there's there's fewer teams, I suppose, playing junior now than there would have been, you know, many years ago. Um, there's going to be nothing between them. They seem to have very very tight matches any time they play. And both are getting good results in the league to date. Obviously, that's why they're there in the in the Division Four final. Division Four is actually a hard one to oh. to pick, and it's a hard one to win, because you know you, you could lose one game and that's it, you're gone. You yeah. know, and you obviously need to be on like a forward sort of a momentum to to be up there in the top. Of it. So you need to be kind of training early, planned early, get everything organised early, and be building on last year. And I think that's what both Wicklow and Loud are doing. And the fact that like that they're they're in a final and they're so evenly matched. It's a very hard one to pick. Mm. I, I, I actually I don't yeah. think I don't know if I if I could call who who'd actually win who'd win the division four final. So yeah. we could say a draw maybe for that one. Yeah, I I'd be the same. What we spoke about Andy Moore a while back and what a fantastic player he was and you know he was everything for GA it's good about that everything that's good about the GA Connacht last week and the rugby lost a fantastic servant in John Muldoon. He was a one club man, you know, and in this era of now professional rugby, yeah, it's strange to see that. Yeah, like um, I suppose being from Belna and seeing that Belna now, you know, been promoted to mm. to the uh, senior leagues, you know, rugby is booming. To see what Connacht have in yeah. the likes of mentors like John Muldoon, God, like you know, he he must have the freedom of the province yeah. because of how much he's loved. Even if you didn't follow rugby or watch rugby, he's an absolute inspiration. Anytime you see him operate after any of their club games, he's he's such a gentleman. In in his interviews that he does, the respect that he gives, and kind of we're very lucky to have him. As you say, in the age where you know you might move to club, yeah. you might get you know you might get paid more yeah. going across the water or you know further afield. He is he's not done it. As you say, servant and a loyal a loyal man to kind of for all of these years. Um, absolutely incredible, incredible man, an inspiration as well, he really is. Right, I switched over from watching the Liverpool match to another thrilling match, the snooker last night, John Higgins and Trump, yeah. and it's funny that actually one of the ex-Novitam players have been tweeted up about the two presidents, Trump versus Higgins, <laughs> so it was, it was quite funny. Um, I'm a big John Higgins fan, um, Mark Williams is back there as well, it's kind of going back the years, the snooker yeah. this year. Yeah, like they're all very experienced people that played, you know, you're looking 15, yeah. 20 years ago, like, you know, when Henry was all about him yeah. and um, Jimmy White yeah. of this world, you know, like, and it's a funny old sport. Like, yeah. you know, when you're looking at the likes of Shelby, who's, I think, three time world yeah. champion that he's actually doing um, some of the analysis and you're kind of, and he was knocked out in the first round, I think. Yeah. Um, can you believe it? Like, you know, these guys, like one mistake. Yeah, it's you know you can play a bad game of football, which will be taken off. You can't afford to do that, you know, in snooker or, yeah. or these individual sports, like you know. And I think there's a lot of psychology involved in snooker as well because 
you know you can get an impossible shot and you can miss the next and the difficulty of it is like you know if we talk about it if i'm a full forward and i'm going for a ball and i, I fumble the ball the, the what i've done wrong there to, to fumble the ball is i've been thinking about the next shot these guys live and breathe on being able yeah. to actually place their ball for the next shot but they've got to get this one in the pot yeah. first and i think god you know it's amazing like in how they do it and they have to hold their nerve because yeah. there's a lot of money you know there's a lot of money based on these i think get like four hundred seventy five thousand pounds for for winning this tournament but to each round that you make it through there's a huge uh, there's a huge bonus for it so yeah i don't personally think i'd have the nerve for a game and i'd be able to hold my nerve for a game like snicker is there anyone that you think or yeah, Higgins. Absolutely. Yeah, Higgins because um, because you want him to win. And you're ah. you're a fan, so I'm gonna go with I had nobody to support like this, so. Well, um, I'm hoping that if he does win, um, Celtic are playing the last game of the season. I'm over there, so it could be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. the, wor the world title there. Well, because you want him to win, I'm gonna support him. So for the rest of it. This is Diane. Absolutely fabulous as always having a chat with you um, on this episode of GA Old School. I'd like to thank the Crown Plaza once again for letting us use the facilities there. Fantastic hotel at the Crown Plaza here in Dublin Airport. And stay tuned to our social media where we let you know who our next guest will be. Oh, thanks for having me.